Hello, I'm Teresa Marks, and I'm joined by my colleague, Halsey Schreier. We are both senior wealth strategists at CIBC Private Wealth Management. A lot has been written about how the current market volatility and low asset valuations are providing opportunities for people to efficiently move wealth to beneficiaries. There's also been a lot of talk about the fact that currently we have very high exemptions for gift and estate tax purposes. They're at an all-time high at $10 million adjusted for inflation. So in 2020, the exemption levels are $11,580,000 per person. Both the low market values and the high exemption amounts are providing opportunities for people to be moving wealth in an efficient way. And while those explanations might make sense to a lot of people, not everyone is quite ready to give away a significant amount of wealth. After all, what if those assets are needed in the future? A strategy that often allows the best of both worlds, both efficiently transferring wealth while retaining some access to the wealth if it's needed, is a spousal lifetime access trust, or commonly referred to as a SLAT. So Halsey, can you get us started by telling us what is a SLAT and how it works? Sure thing, Teresa. A SLAT is a type of irrevocable trust that includes the grantor's spouse among a class of beneficiaries. Generally, it's a tr an irrevocable trust created for the benefit of the grantor's descendants, but also the spouse. And when they make the transfer of the assets to the trust, it actually utilizes their lifetime gift exemption so that they are taking advantage of the higher exemption levels today. So those assets sit in that trust, they are outside of the grantor's taxable estate for the benefit of the grantor's descendants and the spouse. So if it becomes a rainy day some sometime in the future, those the grantor has indirect access through the spouse. So it really gives, it, it can give the, the grantor comfort that even though he or she is giving away those assets and using low values and using exemption, that if, if the couple needs access to those assets, the spouse still can access those if needed. That's correct. We saw a lot of slat planning back in 2012 when the exemptions were, it looked like the exemptions were going to go from about 5 million back down to 1 million. So we saw a lot of people who really wanted to take advantage of that increased exemption amount, but we're afraid that sometime down the road they may need the money and they didn't want to have givers remorse the following day. So mm -hmm. the slats were, uh, many slats were created because it really is the best of both worlds. You can utilize that exemption, but also keep some indirect access to the assets if you happen to need them sometime in the future. And, and can both spouses do this? So can, you know, maybe, for example, husband create a trust for the benefit of wife and wife create a, a trust for the benefit of husband so that they know that at least both of them have access to some assets. Is that possible? It is possible, but it definitely gets a little more tricky in that situation. The IRS has a really boring thing called the reciprocal trust doctrine, which basically says if two people set up trust for each other and they're substantia substantially similar, the IRS will recharacterize it as no gift being made. So while a husband and wife could set up trust for each other, they want to make sure, A, they work with a good attorney. And that attorney knows what they're doing because the trust cannot be substantially similar. They have to be different. So a lot of a lot of ways we'll see them differ a little is the date of creation. Maybe one's created at the end of a tax year and the next one is created in the following tax year. The terms of the trust may be different. So uh, there'll be discretionary beneficiaries, you know, for the, the, the children and the other spouse. Uh, but the one spouse may have the ability to appoint those assets in the trust. 
and the other spouse may not have that power of appointment. So while each spouse can create a slat, it does take some effort to make sure that it's done correctly. And the best way to do that is to speak with your advisors and work with competent estate planning professionals. So what makes, you know, the current market environment with low val- low market values, what makes that particularly beneficial right now for, for a slat, for creating a slat? This is a great time for looking at a slat because, A, with the big drop in values, it's a really a way to leverage assets and maximize the use of your exemption. So we've got these high exemptions of $11.58 million this year, but all that is scheduled to sunset at the end of 2025 which it would go back probably down to about half of what it is today. So while asset values are low, you can use less exemption and try to get that growth outside of your estate. So it's a lot like other topics we've discussed where it's really taking these low values while they're suppressed and betting on future growth. But because we're allocating some gift tax exemption to the slats, it is actually hopefully going to leverage that exemption, those exemption dollars because Let's say your portfolio is worth $10 million before this. It's worth $6 million now. If you made this gift back, you know, three months ago, you may be using $10 million of exemption. But now you're only using six and potentially getting some real value outside of your estate. But the important thing is also to remember that the slat is there potentially for the benefit of the spouse down the road. But it's also sort of you want because you're utilizing exemption dollars, it's not something you want to use if you plan on using those assets. These assets really have to be appropriate to give away because by utilizing your exemption, if you have to go back and take money out of it, it's really not an efficient use of those tax dollars. So when you're thinking about creating the slat, it's, you know, it you can access it, but it's not something where you want to utilize dollars that you need in the future to fund a slat. So you've talked about a couple of different things. The reciprocal trust doctrine, um, thinking about what assets you may need or may not need before you create a slat. What are some of the other things that people should consider when creating a slat? Are there other considerations that should be top of mind? So a slat is generally going to be taxed as a grantor trust for income tax purposes. So once you've made that decision to fund a slat, hopefully it's with assets that you don't plan on needing in the future. But the good news is you could access if you did. But those assets you've, you know, allocated, you've you know, used your gift tax exemption, potentially allocated your generation skipping transfer tax exemption to it. And because it's a grantor trust for income tax purposes, th- those assets will grow without the burden of income taxes, because as the grantor, you're responsible for paying that income tax. Also, if the, the trust could be structured in a way that would give the grantor the ability to swap assets in and out of the trust so that let's say they put a stock portfolio in and it works and it increases by 50% in the next three or four years, but they really want to lock in that, that appreciation. So if they have some more stable assets, whether that be cash or, or bonds or something else, they could swap those assets into the trust for no tax ramifications and lock in that appreciation. So the SLAT really is a useful tool. It's, it's flexible and it, and it is a valuable estate planning tool given the time in which we're in. So another thing clients will ask, I think often is, okay, so I I create this spousal lifetime access trust or SLAT for my spouse, but what if that spouse doesn't stay my spouse? So in other words, you know, what happens in the event or, you know, what should they think about in terms of divorce or, you know, or the, that spouse predeceasing the grantor? So that's always something to consider. And it's a tricky situation and each client case is a little bit different, but 
the risk of divorce is out there. The risk of not passing away in the order in which you think will happen is out there. So it's just we want to make sure that the structure is done properly, but clients do have to understand the risk. So if only one spouse creates a slat and the other and the beneficiary spouse passes away, the grantor spouse generally is not going to have any access to it. But mm-hmm. one way to mitigate that is to have the each spouse create a slat for each other. But remember, it has to be done differently enough as to not trigger that reciprocal trust doctrine. So we want to make sure if, if that's done, that will help mitigate that divorce or death risk. But that is when you really have to be certain that the trusts are different enough so that the IRS won't come back and recharacterize the gifts. Thank you. I, I think, you know, I think often we think of slats as very easy to do and, and something that kind of makes a lot of sense for a lot of clients. But it really sounds like clients should be aware that there are a lot of considerations to think through. Reciprocal t- trust doctrine, what assets make the most sense? What about death or divorce? You know, what are the income tax ap- implications? So it's really important that anybody considering a slat works with qualified professionals, talks to their team of advisors to make sure the right assets and the right trusts are created. That's certainly true. It's a, it's a great planning tool, but with some of these really flexible tools that make a lot of sense, they can be complicated. And if not done properly from the outset, it's going to be an issue and it could really create more problems than it's worth. So that's I, we can't reiterate that enough that working with the right people and getting the right advice is of the utmost importance. For more on this and other topics, subscribe to this podcast and visit wealth.us. .cibc.com. CIBC Private Wealth Management includes CIBC National Trust Company, CIBC Delaware Trust Company, and CIBC Private Wealth Advisors Incorporated, all of which are wholly owned subsidiaries of CIBC Private Wealth Group, LLC, and the Private Wealth Division of CIBC Bank USA. All of these entities are wholly owned subsidiaries of Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only, and the material presented should not be construed as an offer or recommendation to buy or sell any security. Contents expressed are current as of the date of this publication and may change without notice.